Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. Uh, here with a expanded quartet um, in uh, in Midtown Manhattan with a great crew. Of course, to my immediate right, the great Jamal Murphy. Murph, what's up? Hello, Bill. Good to be here. <laughs> That's my uh, straight my straight talk. I know. I've been saying that for the last twelve years. And then to his immediate right, the equally great Nabate Isles. Nabate, how's it going? All, All right, good. pleasure to be here. Remember, Gerard, we used to. Oh, uh, so Nabate has one of these names. Like he, we also, he should be like a wide receiver, like or a bit like <laughs> Nabate Isles, <laughs> you know, like yeah. damn, you know. Yeah, right. yeah. But instead, he's a great musician and trumpet player. Yeah, but that's yeah. okay. And recently married. <laughs> Still happy? Whoa. Yes. Don't, don't forget that. Don't forget that. Honeymoon next week. So. All right. Yeah. Well, the whole thing, honeymoon for the next. Unlimited yeah, forever. Yeah. What are you forever. talking about? It starts next week. the program. <laughs> and then, um, last but not least, making his annual visit to the United States, uh, my younger brother, uh, Gerard Jeffrey Roden, who is uh, visiting from Germany, uh, where he is an opera singer. He's a tenor. Um, right now, performing in Ulm. He lives in Ulm, uh, Germany. Right? Uh, well, Ulm, but that's okay. We won't, we won't tell anybody. <laughs> and what's the name of the, uh, the the opera house where you are currently situated? Theater Ulm. It's the theater of Ulm. It's really simple in Germany. No no tricks. Yeah. Yeah, and I saw him uh, actually in what I hope will be a ritual. Not a ritual, but a, fr- a nice ritual. <laughs> Not a ritual like torture, but a ritual. <laughs> I, I said his birthday is Christmas Eve, and so I flew to uh, Ulm. I flew to Frankfurt. Right, took the train, saw Gerard, celebrated his birthday with him. First time we'd done that in like decades, right? And then saw him perform for the first time. Really great. Uh, he he did the boys' choir, saw him rehearse the boys' choir. Then I saw him sing solo, and um, it was you know very cool. Very Ate some turkey. Cool. That was also cool. Ate some turkey, <laughs> and we had a good time. But I thought it would be great. Uh, last time you were on the show, 2015, something like that. And, it uh, was right? July 5th, 2016. July 2016. Right. It was very interesting because you were t- saying stuff about your musical career and all that stuff from Chicago that I never even knew. I was like, where was I when all this stuff was, was happening? So we're going to talk about that, your, your production and a lot of stuff. Um, and you want to introduce your special guest over here? Oh, yes. This is my husband standing behind me, Helgo Boons. Uh, also visiting from Germany, he's a goldsmith, works for a very special company in Ulm that used to deliver jewelry to King's families, and uh, so it's kind of fun. We've been together for 23 years and married for three. So. Right. Wow. And for listening to the program, everybody will get from Helgo a ring, <laughs> a, a jewel. <laughs> he's going to call you. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, so yes. So, um... Listen, we've got a lot of. I mean, I guess there's a lot of what, what's going on. Um, what should we? What should we? What's the hottest thing that we should? Uh, oh, actually, there's something that was. I think of when I was like a political. Oh, the NCAA. 
the, NCAA, great, the great NCAA. The NCAA made this rule, which appropriately enough is called the um, what's the name rule? The uh, what was the agent? The Rich Paul rule. Rich I think Paul I think rule. LeBron named it that. The uh, NCAA didn't name it. Well, that. but well, <laughs> yeah. uh, but basically the rule is saying, and maybe you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, that anyone who wants to now represent uh, college players or who want to test the waters, there are new regulations they've got to have, right? They've got to have a college degree, which, of course, Rich Paul does not have. Right. Right? Uh, and I think the other thing, I think you've got to take a test. Right. You have which, to go to Indianapolis to take a test at, their, at the NCAA headquarters. Uh, they want 10 years of your, um, you know, addresses of where you've lived. You have to have three years in the NBA PA, you know, as part of the association in terms of being an agent, it's being good standing, there, right? Isn't yeah, it? He, he's yeah, fine there. Exactly. I think he's, think he's <laughs> fine, except for the except for the college degree. So wow. what happened? So they announced that, and then LeBron James pretty quickly that day tweeted tweeted out, "Oh, it's the Rich Paul rule because because he doesn't have a college degree. They don't want him. You know, they're trying to box him out. He's too powerful now." Um, so that was LeBron, and then and, it t- and then that story just took took on a uh, mind of its own. What do you guys think? I mean, you know, first thing I thought was exactly that not just not just Rich Paul, right? But you know, they'll do with every uh, every other aspiring right. Rich Paul, right? Like that's and, and really who it is. That that's yeah. really. I mean, and then you know, Gerard and I were talking about this too. I mean, the whole thing, the college degree, right. the ten years, and you know, I just thought about it that every time black folks get powerful how do we now change the rules pass the rules to sort of box them out like you said so rich the grandfather him in but what do you guys right. think about that do you think this is this is aimed at rich paul do you think this is aimed at, at a league that's that's almost 80 percent black players this is aimed at any you know do you think it's aimed at black well let me listen why don't we I think it's worse than that. I think they're trying to hold on to control. The thing of the writing of the test, that means that we want to control what kind of people these, these are. But, you know, I just thinking about it right now, all the stress about who's contacting these juniors and seniors about being pros, they don't really talk a lot about who contacts the high school juniors and seniors to right, get them to right. go to college and all that kind of stuff. That's where they should start because that's where the real damage comes. Right. Actually, when they're in eighth grade. Because <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah, seventh yeah. and eighth grade, you right. know. So, so, let's, so let's, 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 let's make everybody have degrees in. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. okay, include the players. Right, right, right. right. Let's, right. Make, let's make sure that they get their degree and make and, it a, a qualification. And, and this is where it started. To play, to play basketball. Right. Mm-hmm. And it started a situation, uh, Darius Baisley. He was um, top 20 um, recruit 2018, decided not to go to college, didn't even play, just trained for the NBA draft that one year, got drafted in the first round, and who's his agent? Rich Paul. Mm. R.J. Hampton now going overseas to New Zealand to play. And he is projected as a top 10 pick, not going to the NCAA. So this is a thing where, and Rich Paul represented Baisley, Baisley beat the system, yeah. you know, and, and that's what this is all about. But also, yeah, they're targeting right. him. That's what it is. Because like you said, aspiring Rich Pauls right. that right. are coming right. up, that the ones that are savvy, that do their research. You don't need a college degree to do your research. You don't need a college degree to, do degree to, be, to be corrupt either. You don't need a college degree to be corrupt. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. And yeah. it's also, like you, another, you know, <laughs> exactly. the way LeBron James did it, they're, they're kind of preventing that, where LeBron James said, I'm not going the traditional route. 
I got my friend here. I'm, you know, he. I feel like he can represent me. So in the future, that'll be much tougher to do. That'll be knocked out. But you know what? You know, I mean, to me, and that's what I, I mean. Whenever it seems like I run into black folks, but it seems like whenever we are in a position where we're not going to exert some power, they say, "Okay, how do we move the goalpost?" In right. this case, the go, you know. Mm-hmm. So you're right. So presumably, you got you got a lot of rich pauls out there who have relationships. And this is not rocket science. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, people are still, I know what you guys think, are pissed off with Anthony Davis. They're pissed off with mm-hmm. that whole thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how you combat that. But I think that if you think this is just something random, you know, that is not aimed at Rich Paul and those who aspire to be like him, I, you know, I think you're naive. And they tried to say about Marcus Morris. Supposedly yeah. the Clippers gave him a three-year offer, and he, Rich Paul had him turn it down because it would be against LeBron and the Clipper-Laker rivalry. But but we saw that that wasn't true. Marcus Morris decided to turn down that contract, right. then take the Spurs deal, and then turn that down and take the Knicks deal. And that's when Rich Paul said, I can't mess with you anymore after you're not – Sur- supplying and, 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 and guaranteeing your security, I can't mess with you no more. So basically, Rich Paul said that to him, and that's what caused Marcus Morris to fire. But once again, the speculation was that Rich Paul was doing things that were unethical. For Morris fired. Uh, Morris fired Paul because right. they had a disagreement because Morris just kept changing his mind about the contract. And, and, and Marcus Morris admitted that, admitted to that, actually. But also, so. it's like we just said, it's, it's more, more control. You know, it's just control of the entire situation, um, regardless of who your agent is. We want, like you said, we want to say in in what that is. We want we want to limit uh, what what players can do, even though we continue to limit them. You oh, know, we're, yeah, <laughs> we we yeah, limit yeah. them. We want to be the ones, you know, to to uh, decide everything. And it's done under the precipice of of we're trying to protect the player, which is a joke. We're trying to protect. <laughs> we're trying to protect the player. From, from getting cheated so we can do all the cheating. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Our right. investment. Right. Off the name off their back. You know, off the name off their back. Right. Don't hear any talk about, you know, what kind of moral obligation they have to the players. What's, what's going to be on this test? You know, right, trying, right. Talking about character, you know. And then, I mean, again, once you get into test, I mean, black folks in test, and this is, I'm not painting a broad brush. I mean, you know, we've had some people at this table who've done well on tests, but what are you, tests like what? I mean, right. you know, like why, why? But again, I think that what are the, I guess the next move is what are the rich pauls of the world going to do about this? In other words, is there going to be a protest or how do you now respond to that? Because at the, at the end of the day, you know, and I keep thinking of Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys and NFL, which is the epitome of control, right. control the product. But the right. product, the product is young for the most part is young people, but young African-American people, if you're talking about the NBA, NFL, big-time college football, big-time college basketball, you got all these black people there, young black folks, and it's almost like, and and a core of white people who control it, right? right? The NCAA, the NFL hierarchy, and it's almost like they're saying, what happens if these people ever really got their shit together? Mm -hmm. What happens if they ever really bound together? And you look at Major League Baseball, look at where they're going, you know, the Latin American countries where people don't speak English, you know, and things like that, where people are like, they don't really, they don't have a say, you know, like young African-American baseball, young men have a say. They don't want to deal with that. So that's another example. Uh, you, you, you bring up a great point, even about Major League Baseball, because immigration is such a, is such a hot button, almost racist issue in this country. 
and 32% of the players are in Major League Baseball. Right. And, 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 but there's no, there's no hue and cry except for uh, uh, the, the manager of the uh, Boston Red Sox who didn't go to the White House for, for and great. And he's, and, he's, and he's Puerto Rican, which is part mm-hmm. of America. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what would happen, though, I guess what I'm saying, if I was, you know, you know I am a journalist, but, I mean, let's say if I'm, I would, I would kind of challenge the Latin players. Right. I said, man, you guys are like really quiet about this Thank because you. nothing would embarrass the president more. Anybody more. I mean, he just happens to be the one in power. Nothing would embarrass anyone in power if these guys, all these all 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 league, all these who are coming from Venezuela, Mexico, all these get together and as a group say, listen, you know, we have private relatives mm-hmm. right. who are involved in this kind of stuff. But but it's the same thing. With the NFL, how you know it wasn't like people were lining up to support Kaepernick. Other black players weren't lining up to support Kaepernick because they were afraid of their own position and the tenuousness of it. So I would assume the same would go for right. uh, you, you know p- people from S- S- uh, South America and baseball. You know they're worried about their own positions also, much less being you know coming from a completely different culture where they do they you know do they know how the Political system works. Well, so, I mean, well, they know it's enough. They know enough about to know what the hell's happening. Oh, yeah. at, at the borders. I mean, they, right, they right. don't. You don't need to have a PhD no, that's right. true. in international <laughs> relations. That's true. To know. Yeah, but see, we, we had some visitors from from Cuba mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago, and this, uh, in, know, Germany? in Germany. In Germany, yeah, in Germany, and uh, our political system is obviously a lot different from, from from theirs. But what they can buy, the the, the the wares and all that. So people are coming from Venezuela, and you offer them a couple million dollars to play baseball. Right. And they're going to think five or six times about going back to Venezuela and, you know, delivering newspapers or staying, you know, that, that, that's a pressure. Right. So nothing changes. I mean, right. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what we're talking but about. That's kinda, that was, and that's kind of Nabate's point. But like that's, you know, that is one theory that that's why uh, Major League Baseball has, has kind of, you know, stepped away from the African-American player and been more, you know, you know, willing to to. Uh, you know, to, to, uh, to go towards Latin players is because of that dynamic where they fewer headaches. Yeah, fewer headaches. Mm-hmm. No, you know, grateful. If, they're grateful. They're cooperative. That, yeah. Right. And, 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 yes. And, and I guess, and, and we have to. Be, I want to be careful. By you know, when we say they're more grateful and all that. Right. You know, if I'm a Hispanic player, I well, may listen to this. Their, mi- say, their mindset. Their mi- yeah, the yeah. major league baseball's mindset. That's well. What well, but, yeah. but I but I think it's true though. I mean, when we say, mm-hmm. and, and Gary Sheffield got into trouble about this right. by saying this a few years ago right. about mm-hmm. them saying that a lot of the play for all the reasons we all articulated uh a they're they're they may be here on different kind of visas or work right. visas they're making a lot of money that maybe they're sending back home or whatever mm-hmm. and they don't want to you know jeopardize stuff then like you said jamal it wasn't like people standing in line black guys were born here they weren't standing in line to support <laughs> right. colin kaepernick right. you know a few and, did and still not Still not. Right. Right. Only he, Eric Reed, E. Reed. That's the only guy. There's a couple yeah, of guys. guys. Yeah. Not yeah. even his, not even. And Kenny Stills. Yeah, Kenny Stills. I mean, we're, the whole thing I, with Stephen we're, Ross, you know, the, his own. Stephen owner. Ross, who, by the way, over the weekend <laughs> is going to be giving a, <laughs> a, a benefit in the Hamptons for, right, right, for right. your president. <laughs> I'm like, what the <laughs> Right. Exactly. Right. And, and again, and Kenny Stills called him out. Yeah, you know, like call, call out Stephen Ross. Oh yeah, yeah. watch him be cut like in the next week. But here's the thing: <laughs> Stephen, Stephen Ross, and we and then black yeah, yeah, yeah. on top of it. And we and we have some friends now who are you know Ross started that um, that rise. Uh, rise. He's, he's he's finally rise, and we all have some friends 
who were on Rise, you know? Mm-hmm. And so now, if you're on Rise and you're on the board, you know, and this guy's giving his fundraiser for the president, at this particular time, do you resign out of principle? I mean, they knew. You know, the people there had to know who, who Ross is. But I mean, it's one thing to know, but another thing, right. give, are you coming to my fundraiser? Right. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's 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 lip service, and that's why Kenny Stills came forward because he, you know, he's like, I don't get this. You know, you're, you're saying all the right things. You want, you know, diversity. You want to improve the lives impo- of, of all people, but then at the same time, you know, you're fundraising for a guy who is a who is an obvious racist. At this point, everybody knows. You know, it's like I mean, you can't even. I don't think you can describe him without using the word anymore. Right. You know, so it's like. You know, you can't have it both ways, or you can. Well, can, you're can, you, can you or can you? If you're a billionaire, you? ultimately, you, that's what he's saying. You can have it both ways. You can have all ways. <laughs> all ways that can be bought, we yep. can have. Yes. But but I'm glad that Kenny Stills uh, spoke up. Uh, but, you know, but it's, it's just, um, you know, one of the things I want to ask you guys, obviously, you know, uh, you're a musician, Abate uh, Gerard's a musician. We're talking about this Asians thing. You know, sure you have an you know, in, 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 let's say in, in your respective fields, they said, okay, you can only be represented by an agent who's finishing college or, you know, got a college degree and, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, well, they, they, you know, in Germany, there's, uh, I have to tell you about a system for a few years ago when I was singing as a soloist, there are agents there. There's also a way the, um, the uh, official arm of the government that's also in an agent. And there is kind of a, of a group of them that have a lot of power, and they're the ones that are recognized. So the government doesn't have to say, you have to be recognized by one of our agents, but the theaters all know them. Mm-hmm. And it, it ends up being that way, that you need to have one of these eight agents uh, to, if you want you know, want to continue on. After a certain time, if you're a certain level, you're gonna have your private agents, but that's a way of controlling it. What the NCA is doing is a little bit different. They wanna control the whole picture. They wanna control it. And they wanna say, these are the rules, this is the way they want, the, want people to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a little bit of a different situation. It's more extreme than you know, anything that, that I would have experienced singing for agents. And it is more, in the jazz world, is more subtle. Uh, because like jazz festivals, they only deal with booking agents, mm-hmm. some of them, right. the big jazz festivals. But they're subtle where they say like, oh, send uh, send us your material. You can send it here and we'll get back. They don't even get back, you know. So luckily, like I luckily I have a couple of people out that that will speak for me and kind of like recommend me and stuff. But I know that. Yeah, I, I'm eventually going to. I mean, and I'm t- I'm talking to someone now who's who's an agent, but more dealing with sports, but can get me in that other realm, like you know, not just not just musically, but in the other realm of like sports and everything like that, and my talent and being out there. But you know, that's that's what I have to do. You know, it seems like you have to have that representative, uh, a legit representative, and it's real subtle in the jazz world, really subtle. You know, so but they're interesting. they're interested in treating. I understand the other side of it. Uh, they don't just want someone who's playing well, singing well. In my my case, they want someone who's responsible, someone who's comfortable to work with, mm-hmm. and the agent is supposed to know all that stuff. So mm-hmm. when they show up and sing for you, you have somebody mm-hmm. who knows maybe the other stuff and more of a name, more of a name, yeah, exactly. Like to have that, right. yeah, that that visibility. Right. Let me ask you this, uh, both of you guys, before we get into the uh, the, the uh, nitty gritty of. Uh, you know, blood, muscle, sports. What what is uh, we talked about? I think on the last show. What's how difficult is it? I mean, you know, you're a classically 
trained musician. Nabata, you went to the Eastman School, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, classically. Classically mm-hmm. tra- trained, mm-hmm. too. Is it more difficult to be a black man breaking, uh, breaking in in the United States in your respective fields, you, Gerard, classical, you in the music? Or, or, you know, clearly you've been in Germany, Gerard, since like 1989. I mean, you've had, you've had a tremendous career. As you look back on the career, each of you look back on your career where you are, as an African-American man, what, how, how hard is it? Or what's the hardest way to break in, either in the classical in the United States, jazz in the United States, if you're going to go overseas in the body? What's... Mm. Well, okay, well, I think... Uh, well, that was a terribly phrased question. No, I, 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 I make, make, the be, make the best out of it. <laughs> be, a, be, a, be a pro. I'll, I'll save you. I'll save you. <laughs> don't, don't it's like Dwight Clark in the end zone, the catch. You know? yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, jump yeah, <laughs> <laughs> in, in complete hard right <laughs> catch. Thank you, Dwight. Thank you. He, 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 he thought he was throwing that away. <laughs> As opposed to the catch against the Ravens in the Super Bowl that didn't happen. Which one was that? That would have won the game for them. Who was that? When, when the, the San Francisco came back, you know, after the, oh. the light, the the, the uh, power failure, mm. like 24 That's points right. down. That's they right. came back and there's one pass is missed like a couple of inches away, and yeah. Dwight might have caught that, you know. Kaepernick, because he threw it, right? Yeah. yeah. That would have changed... The whole Everything. arc of his career. Yes, Had he won that Super Bowl, that, he could he could be untouchable. Whatever he Pe- wants. Peeing, on, <laughs> peeing on the street. Sue <laughs> <laughs> during the national anthem. You right. know? <laughs> Colin, why don't you sing the national anthem? And you can kneel while you're singing it. <laughs> Wait, didn't didn't my man show his butt to the can? You know, he didn't get fired for that. Did no. He? <laughs> anyway. Anyway. No. It's, um, <laughs> no. I always like to say this. You know, being black had advantages and disadvantages for me. The advantage was that uh, I was very apparent. You know, you couldn't look over the black tenor singing in an audition. And I think, uh, yeah, if I were better at some things, I would have gone further. And I don't want to, to say that my being black stopped me in, in some things. I was made to be aware of it in a lot of things. When I did auditions uh, and I had to speak in German much longer than the other colleagues uh, did. And my colleagues, white colleagues, were asking, you know, uh, how do you like being in Germany? Uh, you know, have you been to McDonald's? And they're asking me, well, what do you think about you know, Beethoven and the Industrial Revolution? And, <laughs> and, and I'd answer them. You know, but one guy said, you actually understand this. You know, because you're black, and the audience is going to look at you five times more to say, well, is, is, is he real? Is this the real deal? And when we talk to you beforehand, we just want to make sure that you're you, that you can deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I could, it was okay, but it was very aware. Uh, and, and now I work in a, in a theater where we have some colleagues who really do not speak German. And I've said it to my other colleagues, I would have never, ever been hired anywhere mm-hmm. if I spoke at this level. Mm-hmm. And for some of their friends of mine, I've arranged for them to have German coaching. So those are the things that, that, that are different, but I'm not, uh, it, it pushed me to be better. It pushed me to do some things that the colleagues didn't have to do um, and I don't think that's always a, a bad thing. The bad thing about it is a lot of black people, myself included, you push yourself further than you can go sometimes, and you're always asking yourself to do the ridiculous, the things that, that aren't possible anymore, and that's, you know, that's unfortunate. That's mm-hmm. the unfortunate part of it. Wow. I mean, um, like me mostly being involved in jazz, well, first of all, my experience at the Eastman School of Music, I remember when, when Joy Reed was here a couple right. a couple of months a couple of weeks ago, excuse me, and she was at Harvard and she was one of the few uh African Americans in you know in Harvard in general and, and and it was something where 
it's like I, I can relate to that because you have to be, from the standpoint of uh, you have to be really exceptional at your craft to show that you belong, right. you know? And, um, and luckily, like for me, when I went to Eastman, I didn't just know, have expertise in jazz, I had expertise in classical music too, in orchestral music a mm. lot, because I studied a lot of that at, at, um, at LaGuardia Music and Art and also outside of that too. So that really helped me to be able to talk to classical musicians because the jazz department was still pretty new. Mm. So I still had to, you know, and, and they were like impressed by what I knew, surprised, mm. you know, and I got their right. respect quickly, right. you know. and But I wasn't trying to aim for their respect. I was trying to like make it like a pleasurable experience for me to go to school and make sure that that they look at me not just for this but look at me for what my skill set and what I presented so and I'm a, in, in touch with a lot of those people today that from Eastman you know so um but but also in the jazz world though it's all about all about how how great you can play and just have the right people behind you that's important um and that and that's the good thing about jazz jazz always you know in 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 that field you people like especially the old school cats like the Ron Carters who right. will look at you and 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 they will give you the credit you deserve when you deserve it. A lot of the older musicians that are out there and and our mentors. So it's a it's a whole long thing, but but yeah, that's the beautiful thing about about jazz. But to get the respect in mainstream America, you have to be diverse musically. You have to mm. be in in here. You just have to be diverse and 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 be able to create things where you can still keep your character and keep your interpretation and keep your um, integrity in the music, but at the same time be able to talk and tell your audiences of all ages um, what what it's about and educating them pretty much in what you're doing. And that's why I educate, that's why I teach a lot as well with younger kids to just have them have that respect for the culture, for the history, and so they can be able to know what it's all, not just listening to like, you know, Whitey Ann Corday, you know, but but to understand the samples behind Whitey Ann Corday and things like that from the older records, like just know the scope of the history, not just what's going on now, you know, and that's important. So I try to educate that. Your question about you know what being being a black man, I have some questions for you also about that. Um, oh, now you're gonna take my job. Well, no, I, I, no, I mean, I'm, I'm curious. For the first time, you know, the uh, I told you before, a friend of mine, uh, Joe Krause. He's a very well-known jazz uh, trumpeter and also has a classical uh, uh, background. house building background. And uh, he's done orchestral arrangements for the orchestra and the theater mm -hmm. and has done some, uh, some of that for me. And uh, he said that really helped him to ground him. It's not just a matter of impressing people. It really helps him to, to ground him. And I think even though he's exclusively a, a jazz uh, a trumpeter now, uh, you hear that. When you talk with him, we work together, you, you, you see all that. And I think... A lot of times I have the feeling that, that young kids, they want to get there right away and they don't want to have this fundament. They want to build a mm -hmm. house that starts with the attic and, and, and the, you know, mm -hmm. the, the rooster on top of the house. Yeah, and the base. Yeah, and the base. I work with actors uh, and they say, well, I just want to sing jazz. I just want to sing. Well, I sing jazz too. I sing gospel. I sing rock. And I'm an opera singer. And I can do all those things because there's a technique under and supporting that. And I know some other people who are musical uh, uh, singers who have a technical background, and you hear that. Mm -hmm. You hear then their consistency, and then how many more colors they have than the kids who are just singing, singing musicals. So, mm -hmm. um, how did that? How does it influence your playing? The the, the classical background. Oh, 
Well, it's funny you ask that. Like um, on my album, Votex, my favorite opera, German opera. Wow. Was it? Okay. And I'm like, right, wow. <laughs> right there. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yes, yeah, indeed. So, um, and and I wrote actually. I've a got piece. that. I've got that one, Jamal. I just listened. Votex. Got that? Yeah, I was just listening. To oh, it. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but I wrote uh, like kind of like a, a, a arrangement of the opening act, just the beginning of opening act, and just like um, with with an uh, octet, you know, like a jazz octet, but well, with improvisation. But Berg wow. was Berg was very much about you know like he influenced some jazz musicians harmon- harmonically, you know, yeah. him and Schomburg and uh, everything. And of course, you know, so so that was yeah. But I think cla- it's so important because. You, you learn playing those etudes and playing those pieces, it, it, it gets your technique together to be able to speak your mind and improvise, you know, to have that, that depth to be able to, to be a very clear improvisation uh, improviser. You know, that's important. So. so Coltrane was talking about you have, to be, you have to get that done before you can really improvise and be free. But, but, mm-hmm. but I mean, but, I mean yeah. you know, but, not, not but, and uh, if you look at, you know, uh, jazz musicians in the 60s. I mean, I'm sure certain uh, more than we knew were quote classically trained, though many weren't. Maybe some of the greatest improvisers in the music were not. You're not saying it's necessary, mm-hmm. uh, or are you saying that that you know had had Lee Morgan been classically trained? Well, he actually learned the Arben's book. The Arben's book yeah. is the is the Bible for trumpet players, like of all, yeah. especially classical. Lee Morgan had that stuff memorized. Mm. He he learned the Arben's book the first year of playing the trumpet. Then he was playing mm. professionally at fifteen. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. he had that classical background yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. isn't so. like both of you are saying that you know because you know because things are the way they are in terms of you know racism and being a black man that you had to be better. You know, it's the classic, you know, you were forced to do more and be better, um, which I guess in the long run is a good thing. That's why I'm... But is it a good thing? But even in jazz, though, I mean, you would think the stereotype is that quote unquote jazz is a black man's music. You know, they expect you to be able yeah, to do it. To, <laughs> like, like I was thinking, good luck you, with that. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, so, so that my way, even what you even even in, in the music and jazz, you, you're this. There's this expectation of a black musician having to be twice as good. Yeah, in conservatory level, yeah. Because the Eastman, I was the only black undergrad jazz musician at Eastman. Like, oh. yeah, is there ever situ- is there ever a yeah. situation where yeah. where the white art like a white artist in a in a black art form like jazz has to be better? Oh, for sure, for sure. Like more in a professional atmosphere, for sure. Mm-hmm. More in a professional, but it's so diverse now, especially this day and age, because of the conservatory system. You know, because it's you know like a a lot of black musicians, like a lot of great black musicians, go and do workshops. You know, right. and if they hear if they hear uh, they hear a Caucasian cat that's playing his butt off. You know, they're going to, you know, it's what it is. That's the beautiful thing about this music. It's all about if it's it's just black and white, if you can play your ass off. So that's like, what it so is. Don't, so you like know. sports in a way. Yeah. Well, uh, well, that's different with sports. I mean, that, that, that's what, that's that's what, what people, it's supposed to be. That's what it's, it's supposed, supposed to be. To be, supposed to be supposed and, it is, and it is to a certain extent because, you know, if, once you get on the field, you know, we can see this. But you got to get on the field. Mm-hmm. But, even, but even Kaepernick. 
you know, that that shows you because, he, you know, it still becomes subjective even on the field because all of a sudden you had people saying, no, he's great, he did this, he went to the Super Bowl, and then you have other people saying, oh, he stunk, he threw 12 interceptions and but, all that kind of stuff. But in sports, it's very political, though, for the same, because, for example, contract situations, and that's a whole nother discussion with contract situations and stuff. There are certain guys, if you, if you have a certain contract, you may not see the field that much because, you know, they yeah. don't want to have to deal with incentives. You know, exactly. <laughs> incentives, right. Or if you're yeah. drafted, if you're undrafted and you are better than someone else, but they, they're paying this cat more money, they have to be able to let that guy go and, and, and have more on a longer leash. It's a whole, that's a whole nother conversation. But, right yeah, there, you know? but <laughs> I think that's in the theater is a similar kind of thing. If they, someone's a soloist and they're getting the big money for it, they say, well, that's what they're there to do and, and they're going to do it. But I think in the, in the, the NFL is a, what have you done for me today? You know, Flacco, Goes to Super Bowl, supposed to be really a top quarterback, and what team is he playing for now? You know, he's in Denver. Right, right, right. <laughs> and you hear what Jeremy Lin was saying. I mean, I, I, during the playoffs, I spoke to Jeremy Lin, you know, uh, you know, and he was saying that uh, Kevin giving advice to young players. He said, "Well, you know, people, uh, even though I outplayed people, you know, uh, I didn't get it because maybe it's because of the way I looked or because of where I went to school." Mm-hmm. And I was saying, "Well, you know, he went to Harvard, and I guess." I mean, no, I, I'm, you know, give Harvard, you know, I mean, I don't know tears for Harvard. In the right. football league, but, you know. But what, <laughs> what he was saying, I guess, is that some people, well, you're Ivy League, you know, you, you know, you really can't play the ball, or you're Chinese, you know, yeah. I, you know. Because really they could have they could have continued. The Knicks had something good with Linsanity, and they decided not to go there, you know, it would, mm. because situ- as we talk about situations and contracts and who the attraction is supposed yeah. to be, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible has over 180,000 book titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. For you, the listeners of the Bill Roden on Sports podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. We highly recommend that you check out the classic $40 million slaves, the rise, fall, and redemption of the black athlete by the one and only William C. Roden. An absolute must-read. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash Bill Roden on Sports for your free audiobook. So, listen, where are, are anything happening sports? I mean, uh, we're, we're in the middle of... That's we've talking about. I'm sorry, because we're... I'm sorry, this is a very compelling conversation. We're just talking about basketball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, but this is very. My, 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 before we do get into hardcore sports, when I heard you guys talking about, you know, the double standards, I guess is what we're talking about. The mm-hmm. double standards. When you're in, I was thinking, if you this kind of to Jamal's point away, but if you are a black athlete, there's a certain level of, almost if you're a white athlete, mm-hmm. and you go into the into a basketball setting, or if you're a white athlete going to a football setting, you'll see your cornerback. Or you're a running back. Oh, oh wow. Right? Is, and and now, he started white quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> it's like, so whoa, now all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. You know, but as a black guy in that in that environment, you're kind of the now it's almost like you're expected, okay, you kind of belong here. Mm-hmm. Whether you were like at University of Texas or anything, you know, they see you black and you okay, we you kind of, you know, if you go to the classroom, then that whole thing shifts like you gotta prove while you're here. But in that bubble called big time sports, you come in and there you come in with a ten, mm-hmm. a grade of ten. Right. That okay, we kinda 
all right, we you, we kind of exp- you you belong he- here in this. Mm-hmm. Now you may not belong outside this bubble, but you know you belong when, when you step outside the arena. We start doubt you, but when you're in this arena, we'll give you these props. Yeah, you kind of belong here. Okay, it's very it's funny the jazz arena because for example, you don't see black club owners really. Mm. You know, you don't see black black folks running festivals, only artistic directors, but actually running right. the festival, right. you know, um, and things. That's the thing. Or, or being or getting the big time gigs where you're film scoring, you know, yeah, like right. it, it's starting to happen now. Chris Bowers, thank God for him, because he wrote the score for uh, Green Mile. Uh, did all the piano stuff for for Mahershala Ali. Also, he wrote um, recently for um, uh, When They See Us. The uh, the but that's a black production, you know, with a black filmmaker. Uh, but but yeah, but to get the big time gigs, where to get the big time film scores, a la John Williams, or mm-hmm. or the big time, or to run festivals, or to to get the big time gigs where you're playing at Cafe Carlisle often, all you know, things time. like that. Like for for lack of a better example, but you know. That's that's and, 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 and the know. parallel well, conducting the pops, conducting the yeah. pops. Yeah, you know? well, yeah. and so. you're talking mm-hmm. about power and control, and I right, but that's the same issue you got in the NFL, the NBA. That's right. You right. Know, you've got it's all these similar. black guys running mm-hmm. around, but if you're talking about where is the power and control, mm-hmm. that's the, which gets us back to Rich Paul, because once you start getting some of the power and control, say, oh no 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 no, we're gonna start changing the rules because we can't have this power control. That's that's not your domain. Our domain is power and control. Your domain is what you've been doing since like the 17th century. <laughs> you basically serve and obey. Yeah, yeah. Porgy and Bess. I mean, that's kind of. <laughs> and Gershwin writes it. <laughs> yes, Burger. Right. Know, right. Major production. Yeah. Porgy and Bess. <laughs> you guys decide who's going to be Porgy and Bess. We go, we're going to be getting you know. anyway. But you know, remember <laughs> right, exactly. when, when Kurt Flood uh, started off with a free agency in the 70s, it was, oh God, this is going to be the end of, end of baseball and, and the end of football. But being in, in Germany and watching uh, Bayern München win six or seven championships after another, where people after seven weeks, like it's already clear what was happening. And I asked my friends, isn't that dull? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all Bayern München fans. No, it's not dull. It's not at all. Mm-hmm. And I think what the, what's going on in the NFL right now has been really, and even the NBA uh, and, and the baseball is re- unbelievable mm-hmm. how much parity, how many teams are in it. Because of free agency. Yes, I mean, right. because, and, right. and the salary caps, the teams are forced to deal with certain constraints. Uh, sometimes being creative about it, but that makes, you know, of course the Patriots are, are, are good and they've all been good for a long time mm-hmm. uh, because they were creative about things, they have some good, some good players, but you don't have this one team who's winning like nine times in a row. What, what right. the Bulls did to the seven championships is a very, very rare thing, but those are the only seven. It's not mm-hmm. like oh, five six, years later. Six zones, yes. Those are the only ones. <laughs> and after it didn't happen again. It's not like, you know, when the, when the Lakers win, win three out of four, but mm-hmm. they've always been winning, or the, the Celtics, you know, mm-hmm. and that's we're not seeing that happen right now. Yeah, the Warriors are, are a strong team right now, but this is isolated in, in this decade, and other teams will happen. And, and yet, what, what you know, I've been writing a series of pieces about Kurt flood mm-hmm. because I believe he should be in the Hall of Fame and I've been doing it incrementally mm-hmm. you know but again he said you know that you know I mean in fact he's got he, he said just for his dad said you know um, they're probably not going to let me well his Marvin Mills told him listen when you do this you're not getting in the Hall of Fame now two white pitchers eventually got 
arbitration. But I remember in one of the last interviews that he, he gave me during this pre thing we did, he said, I think a little bit because I was a black man, that they just did not want to give me the win. I mean, it was like for the Supreme Court to, to, to let this black man from Oakland, California, take down his system. Mm -hmm. Though every single person, even the owner said, you know, when he, when, he, when he refused to be signed in 1969, they said, shit, man, you know, the writing's on, handwriting's on the wall. Yeah. You know, right. but yet here it is 2019, and this guy's not in the Hall of Fame. And, and, and everybody agrees now that free agency... Saved. It's saved, but, but there are a lot <laughs> of people, that we can move on, but a lot of people who are probably now in the 60s, 70s have never forgiven him. For that, because not everybody agrees that free agency is great. Not everybody, like owners and all that. I still think there's some kind of we we, we deal with it, but we much would rather would have control. maintain control. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know. And, and I think that, and and the fact that this little black guy stood up, he's like essentially the Chris Addicts of, yep. of major league of, of not just major league baseball, but of pro sports. Mm -hmm. High profile guy, heir apparent to Willie Mays. They trade him at the end of the season, and you know they're going to pay him hundred thousand dollars. And he said, "No, mm -hmm. I'm not going." And people were like, "What? You're supposed to be grateful. Of course you got man. You know, even guys would not even attend his trial because they were they were scared. Right. You know. So anyway, I mean that's just my soapbox on Kurt Flood free agency. But the idea is that I think what you were saying is that everybody universally fans say it's great because now we're talking about a year round right. who's gonna go where mm -hmm. you know and all that but not so. just that the, the, the balance of the teams has changed you had teams that were on the bottom you know think of the, the Steelers going from from uh, one and 13 winning the, the four what was four Super Bowls in the yep. interior <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. and, and it was seven now uh, they yeah. winning those Super Bowls <laughs> and, and how, how this restructuring helps he, he saved the league you know they didn't see it at that time and I remember in my conservative youth think oh God, you know, baseball is going to going to die. But that was coincidentally happening at the time when the television and advertising revenues started to explode. Right. So right. The, the timing was perfect. If he had done that five years before, first of all, the effect wouldn't have been as great. Mm -hmm. But that was exactly at the right time. Right. Um, before we bring in Erin Matthewson for her uh, segment, um, what are we? Anything that uh, our loyal listeners should be. Uh, Pointing to anything uh, on the on the uh, that, that we're missing, probably. I, I mean, know. it's a ve it's a very slow period of sports right now. The Mets, yeah. uh, but well, we're talking you, you the Cubs. You do have baseball. Oh, the Mets, the you know. Mets, the Mets. Your Mets, your Mets, Jamal. Your Mets. Four 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 black guys. You know, it's getting tougher and tougher to talk baseball because there's so few of us there. <laughs> but um, no, but but yeah, my Mets. Uh, our my Mets, Mets too. Yeah, are doing mm -hmm. well. They're back. They're back in it. They see, you know, before the trade deadline, people, you know, they basically thought that they were out of it. They weren't really in the in the pennant race, but now they're back because of the wild card. They're a game out of the wild card. Um, they won how many? They won 13 out of 14, but when they didn't trade Syndergaard or Wheeler, mm -hmm. then yeah, that right. saw, and, and that's what I was saying in last week's show, I was like, okay, this is kind of like, this is good. This is good for both sides because Syndergaard will increase his value you know, as he's pitching better, and then Wheeler's a free agent, so he's looking to get paid. So this is works <laughs> out for this is kind of like a last chance from for this pitching staff, you know, yes. kind of right. because there are there will be changes, but luckily, and then you can get value for Syndergaard and get major prospects for him, you know, because you got to still increase the bats with the Mets, but but Joe Madden of the Cubs. 
mentioned the Mets without even being asked about the Mets. He said they are very dangerous. They they have they they have the offense. They have the pitching. Like he he like, like there was a question. He just mentioned the Mets because I think he remembered that 2015 sweep. Of that the Mets gave yes, to them, yeah, we all you know, we like, all remember. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, and it's like that's the thing. It's like no one. This team, I think, no one wants to see this team in the playoffs. Not even the Dodgers want to see this team mm. in the playoffs. Well, they, have the, they have the you know so. most talented pitching staff probably in the game. Just and that's still, sheer and talent. They still, still have, you know they still have to produce and and they have produced in the past in 2015 when they made. The World and, Series and and Syndergaard in sixteen, who pitched a better right. game than Bumgarner, really. Right. Like he, Syndergaard had no hitter for six innings, you know. So right. that's the thing. Like it's you know pitching in the playoffs. Yeah. That is what gets it done when right. you have hot pitchers, you know. Mm-hmm. So and, and a funny funny thing in you know in New York, everybody everybody's talking about how the Mets are the hottest team in baseball, but it's really the Yankees. Quietly, right. Right. Are the you know they won eight <laughs> or nine straight. Um, well, not thirteen, fourteen though. Well, they have the, the, but the biggest Yan- winning streak so but far. But also, the Yankees have played weak teams right. as well too, right, right. as the Mets but, but, but have. The Yankees don't from, you know, from post to post, right? right. But, right out so, block. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So quietly, they're actually you know running away with things in the in the AL East. But the problem, but the problem, yeah, the ten games. But the problem is for the Yankees is, you know, it's going to come. It's all about World Series or bust. So you know, they still don't really have the pitching. Uh, whereas uh, the Astros make the big trade and get oh, Grinky, you know, so the and Astros are right there with the Yankees in terms of record wise, about a yeah. game apart. I mean, so Verlander, if they Cole and, and if they Grinke, go against the Astros, the Astros have the better pitching. And the Astros yeah. have always had the Yankees numbers. I mean, they have just always had that ba- number, basically. And and now they and now their offense is crazy. They got that Alvarez kid right. that has come up. Like, I mean. They're scary, and that's the, whew, yeah. They, they. I think they're coming out the AL easily. You know, now, <laughs> easily. I'm not a real big baseball fan, but I think baseball is the only sport that you can't just look at talent and how good they're supposed to be because people get cold. Right. You know, mm-hmm. a team of right. a great, great season getting the playoffs, and mm-hmm. some, something happens. Right, well, pitching. Right, yeah, but, pitching, but the yeah. pitching. Gets, but same but thing. Pitching, who gets hot? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the pitching never really gets cold though. When you got the yeah. horses at pitching, yeah, that's it's right. straight up. It's like, like defense. Yeah. Defense in the NBA. Travels. Or de- defense. In the NFL. Period. period. In the NFL. Yeah, defense yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the NFL. That, doesn't, that doesn't get cold, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Yeah, right. You, got, you make it cold. But if you're a quarterback who's had a good season, isn't going to suddenly stop functioning in the playoffs. But you can have, you know. Well, well, you look at look at Lamar Jackson. Now, that, you could say that's because he was a rookie yeah. right. and, and all that. But, I mean, a quarterback, unless he's Tom Brady. Peyton, Peyton Manning had those Rivers. issues. Yeah, 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 he sure did. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, Philip Rivers in the playoffs. He was like the opposite of Eli. No, yeah. Peyton never had a bus game. The only bus game Peyton had was that shutout to the Colts. I mean, excuse me, to the Jets when he's with the Colts. When the Jets shut him out like 41 nothing or something like right. that. That was no, Peyton's only bad game. But he didn't, he didn't game, play but... at the same level as his regular seasons. Right. Uh, where right. he, where he, he was didn't. breaking or, all records. Well, but or else they would have been in the Super Bowl or they would have, you know. Well, also, remember, he, he, came, he went to the Super Bowl four different coaches. Well, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, two different that, teams. That's yeah, what yeah. It's four and two different teams. That's that's all I gotta say. Like he can't do everything, you know. And right. and that was beautiful how that last year where he struggled because he was old. He was 39 years old. Struggle is his polite. Yeah, yeah. Well, struggle. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. right. Struggle. Like, but not existing. But, but people. <laughs> but but it was like I've always said. Hey, Peyton carried teams for 18 years. He can get carried for his last. No, one. Peyton made you know? for that last <laughs> Super Bowl. He was on the field on Saturday before that. He was throwing some patterns, and the guy said, "Why?" 
why, why are you doing this now? Well, you know, I have to throw the ball a little bit earlier now because the ball's not so fast. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Like that, that quick release. <laughs> hey, hey, yes, uh, before, before we bring in here, Gerard, um, you're doing a production, right? You just wrote an opera? I wrote a musical. A right. musical? Sorry. Not a, uh, can you tell us, uh, tell us about it briefly? I mean, yeah, very, yeah. very briefly. <laughs> no, I uh, wrote a musical about, uh, finished it about five years ago, and I presented it to the theater I'm working, and no one was interested in it at all as they really, you know, closed their eyes and walked out of the room, uh, except for a friend of mine who I'd invited, this Joe Krause, who just loved the music, and he said, we got to do something with that, and he uh, wrote, uh, wrote the orchestra arrangements for wow. it. And we did a sm- uh, one performance as a, uh, like a radio show in the podium of the theater. It was more than sold out uh, and a uh, really good success. The uh, theater director, who didn't want to do it before, he came afterwards uh, almost in tears, and he ex- he's apologized. He said, I just didn't have an idea what a great piece that's, wow. that, that is. Wow. It was a nice feeling. And mm-hmm. uh, we had a new theater director came in and presented it to him, uh, showed him text, uh, wasn't interested, no one was interested in it, except an, one guy who I knew was an actor in the theater, and he has his own theater for young people, and he said, yeah, we're going to do it, and it was exactly what we need. And so in April of 21, the piece will, will premiere. Unfortunately, they had already had this coming season full, and I'm really excited about it. It's... Uh, I'm not going to tell you a lot of details because it's uh, going to be a, a, a world premiere, but uh, it talks about it's a family drama comedy. Mm-hmm. It's a communications comedy, and it talks a lot about how we have so much faith in our electronic communication that we don't talk with each other anymore. Everything is just SMSs and, wow. and sending notices, and what's happening to our family structure when, when the communication stops? Uh-huh. You know, it's a little bit of a coming out story in there. There are two boys who fall in love, and they're trying to keep it secret. Mm-hmm. The family, their mother and father have some secrets, and all the secret and bad communication is almost a catastrophe uh, for the family. So Interesting. that's, that's the story. The music varies from, from gospel rock to uh, 50s rock, a couple of cute jazz numbers, and some traditional Broadway. And I found that the audience really enjoys hearing some retro stuff and some modern stuff, uh, depending on what the the, the, uh, the the mood is. So really, really exciting about it. Joe's going to be doing the the musical direction. I'll be sharing the the stage direction with the stage direct with the theater director. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, wish me luck in April April twenty one. I think it's going to be a, a good thing. We wish good you luck. Thank you. Subject matter has relevance. Yeah. Has relevance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Like yeah. definitely, wow! Because um, do you know the show Black Mirror? Do you know that show? No, on no Netflix? I don't. Oh, it's about modern technology. Like, okay, yeah. It's kind of like the Twilight Zone of this time. What's oh, it? okay. About how social media, modern technology. What's, just, what's it called? Uh, Black Mirror. On it's Netflix? on Netflix. Yeah, oh. superb uh, series with different story, oh, great. vignettes. And everything. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, love to see it. We have something yeah. while you guys are here. Something we were like, what's binge worthy? Yeah, it's 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 totally worth it, and it's different characters each each story. So. Oh, great! Yeah. Binge so, there, done that. Got the T-shirt. Is that the- yeah. <laughs> binge? <laughs> All right, okay. That's right. thank you, Gerard. We got- <laughs> oh, Bears. We got to talk about his Bears. Oh, 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 well, well, football, little football. All right, the preseason, top hundred teams, right? Yeah, top hundred right. Gerard. I mean, you know, he's you know, I'll call him. You know, he's in Germany. We'll talk. 
after the I think the last time is at the playoffs, right? When the when the field goal kicker, what oh, they call right. it? Ping pong barking. <laughs> and that was like 1.30 a.m., oh. right, out there. So you have to see those games to, late. No, I didn't know? I didn't see that live. You know, because I, I had to go to bed, but I walked and I saw the highlights of it. And Villa sent me a go bears miss. Oh, great. We won. I was watching these, you know, the replays and, and watch his last kick. Like, bang, bang, bang. Like, what? <laughs> this is the same guy who hit the, the post four times in one game. Yes, oh. yes. Four times. This guy ping pong parky. <laughs> so when I said go bears, it was clearly being sarcastic. <laughs> go bears. And I was watching the game with three diehard Bears fans from Chicago. They, I was like, oh man, the room, the mood in that room. Just but, but you know, I mean, we won't talk about the game too long. But that that wasn't the, the game. Got lost in a couple of other plays that would, you know, they got they got lost when the the second touchdown when they only have ten men on the field. Oh, they yeah. got lost this ridiculous pass interference call that should have been an interception. You know, the guy mm-hmm. just misplayed it. That's where the game got lost. Mm-hmm. This is what. But yeah, ping pong party. And that's precisely when I stopped. I stopped becoming a fan, and probably when I was like 13, 14, and it was like it was like the Bears. And I said, you know what? I am not investing my <laughs> emotional stuff in stuff I cannot control. I want the right. Giants. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, at least they won. You became a bandwagon fan. That's, that's the way to do it. Dad came in. We were, we were in Phoenix, Harvey. And the Bears, it was like the 62, 63 Bears, something. And they were on this winning streak. And they were playing. And I was listening on radio. And they were playing the San Francisco 49ers. And they were down. And like they, clearly they were going to lose. Mm-hmm. And I'm like really like downhearted. And so then my dad came in. Because for some reason the telecast ended. And I said, something. I asked, who won? I said, no, no. Uh, so-and-so got a kickoff and ran it all the way in. Something. I said, really? He said, no. <laughs> and I remember I got so pissed at him. I said, you know what? I'm done with this shit. I'm going to be a sports writer. <laughs> well, I don't care. Anyway, Aaron, come on in. Aaron, 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 Aaron. Uh, the great Aaron Matthewson has joined us. What's up? Yes. Aaron, how are you? I'm great. That's, that's a great welcome. Thank you. So, Aaron, trip and check. But before you going to get a trip and check, you had a question for the panel. You heard us ranting about the the NCA and the Rich Paul rule, and you had a, a, a point and a question. Which I thought you all made very valid points about the racial issues um, that the rule rate brings up. Um, but I do wonder, is any part of the rule, do you get a sense that it's about protecting athletes at all? Because I do think there is, you know, if you get, we all know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, other play, people who have gotten really bad deals and they've paid for it financially and otherwise and do you think this is going to help uh up-and-coming nba players avoid financial pitfalls bad agents no i mean i mean i'll i'll go first bill road no sports i'll go first no i mean i think you raise a good point i mean i think that yeah it 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 could stop exploitation of just having because there are a lot of unsavory people there who want to exploit people and you don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah. But I don't think just because you, I mean, but the idea of having a college degree, right. what do you think? Now, and I'm, I'm asking you, do you think the commitment, I guess, it takes to go four years of college, is that what they're saying? That, mm. well, maybe you'll be less likely to be a scam artist if you take the time to go four years in college to get a degree? I was more focused. I mean, I don't know I, that I care that much about, I don't think the, the degree means anything, but they want this exam 
and I, I would hope that this exam means this is what you need to do to be an agent. Like, I guess I wonder, I guess I don't know right now, what do agents have to do to be an agent? Can anybody just sign up? No, I mean, no, normally, you know, there are, there are tests that agents have to take. I mean, if, if you're an attorney, you can wait, you, pre, you pretty much can wave in mm-hmm. and be an agent in most leagues. I think the NFL still has a test you have to take. Oh, wow. um, so, yeah, I mean, a test is, is really nothing new. It's just an added, you know, it's at, you add that to what they already have to do. Um, the college, the college requirement, I, I don't think they were going after Paul specifically, Rich Paul specifically. I think they were just like, hey, you know, we need we need some uh, guidelines. Let's just t- let's just say we they need to have a you know four year degree. I mean, there are other jobs that say the same thing, like we want a bat- bachelor's degree, you know, blah blah blah. But it's time and it's yeah, weird. I mean, but it's but it's <laughs> but it's pure hypocrisy right. in terms Unintended of in terms of, but, but in terms of in terms of you know, are, are they really trying to help? Um, right. And you're talking about, oh, we're going to save them from these bad deals that, hey, what about the bad deal we're giving them? Right. You know, that everybody, and you know this now. There's, there's no secret, you know, you're just trying to, you know, keep this this tri- this money train going. So it's 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 really a joke. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that? No, thank you. But, you know, it doesn't mean that, that some guidelines aren't, aren't uh, wouldn't be important. But it's a question of what are they and who should discuss them. Right. Should mm-hmm. some other agents discuss them? Should the NBA discuss them? Right. Should there be a, a, a board with some players, some professional players and college players? Then it's interesting. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I think we need to, uh, Aaron, we want to get into trip and check. I think we need some music. <laughs> and, now, and now, trip and check. <laughs> we need to have, like, oh. some music to introduce you know, trip and check. So that that will be That's a good thought. Yeah. So we'll yeah. we'll think about that. Okay. So glad you brought that up, Bill, because that uh, <laughs> starts us off. This is not really so much trip and check, but since you brought up music, um, have you guys been paying attention to Hot Girl Summer? I've yeah. seen it. What's that? So, <laughs> I mean, that's, huh? that's what about you? Oh, Hot Girl Summer. <laughs> <laughs> that's with uh, 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 and uh, <laughs> you mean our girl summer? Uh, no, but you could say that. So, Megan the Stallion. Uh, she's. Do you know who that is, Bill? Megan the Stallion. On, Ask me something hard. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, so she's. She's hot right now, and she started this. She kind of coined the phrase "hot girl summer." Well, she's a she's a she's a rapper. She's a rapper. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, dig. Okay, now I know her. Yeah, yeah. And a former dancer. <laughs> she's a stallion. Yeah, yeah she is. She's a stallion. Yeah, she, yeah. She's a good rapper. That's her name. <laughs> yeah. She she's, named herself yeah. Megan the Stallion. Stallion. T H E E. She's starting like, to take like, Cardi B's, like you know, because you know Cardi's that, getting a little jealous. Hold the know? thought, but isn't Cardi B? <laughs> is she on that commercial with her fingernails? Yep. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, that was a little. That was a little. That was a little uh, that's like right one there. step beyond. Yeah. <laughs> uh, go, but go ahead, uh, Aaron. Well, I was just gonna say. So, <laughs> so Megan the Stallion, Ma- Megan, Megan the Stallion, Star. teamed up with Ty Dolla Sign and Nicki Minaj to produce a track called mm. "Hot Girl Summer." It right. came, came out today, mm-hmm. so that could potentially be chip and check. Maybe what? we'll have to so see. Why? I mean, what? Because. Because um, well, you know, so being a hot being a hot girl is all about being unapologetically you. Yes, yeah, so you, you gotta know. explain this part of it. Yeah, this is, got, it's about being. It was fun. a hashtag before the yes. song. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and people are you seeing it on Instagram, celebrity social feeds, mm-hmm. and just people throwing up pictures. Mainly women. Some guys have gotten into it, but focus on the hot girl right now. And it's just being unapologetically you, the mm-hmm. life of the party, having fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hot girl summer. So, what do you yes. feel about that? Um, the entire movement. 
Oh, I'm with it. I think mm. that's, you know, women out feeling, being able to be sexy and fun mm-hmm. and kind of like uh, calling the shots. Is what exactly. I okay. Being a boss. Yeah. That's, that's, that's right. hey, you know. Being power and control. <laughs> and I love that her, like, just her, Megan's name, The Stallion. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That, her, that, her, she actually is a, she's a daughter of an ex-rapper. Really? Yeah. So I mean, I don't think her her, no, her, her mother. Oh, mother. Her Who's mother was a was a rapper. I don't think she like blew up, but just okay. from reading her story, like it's funny. There are now second generation rappers. Was, was she a lyricist though? She had bars. I don't know. Or, Out okay. there in Houston, was she, she was, like she was like an underground rapper in Houston. Oh, okay. So she probably came up with Face and and and, and UGK and mm-hmm. all those cats. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to hear. Like so she maybe has, hopefully she has don't. pedigree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Do you do you like her stuff? Uh, sort of a little bit. I like it. I mean, it's not. I don't think it. It's not trash. Like you know, like where. Yeah. So I think I think she has something going. Um, I don't. I couldn't. I wouldn't say I'm a fan yet. But you know, there's some entertainment yeah. value there. Yeah, the summer jam performance was killing. You know, oh, yeah? so yeah. Okay. Mm. yeah. So <laughs> what else you got, Aaron? <laughs> 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 so I'm gonna move. It's this little more, little more somber. So, um, oh, oh, oh God, please do what? So it's the fifth anniversary of the death of Michael Brown today, mm-hmm. and uh, Michael Brown Senior wants to reopen the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and because the um, the prosecutor, uh, newly elected uh, Wesley Bill, black guy, who was um, protesting during the Ferguson. Um, protests is now the prosecutor. And so he's hoping, I think, that if Wesley reopens it, they'll have a different um, outcome because the, the officer who uh, killed Brown was not indicted. Mm. Um, but I'm wondering, the lawyers and you guys, do you think it will be reopened or do you think it's just, it's over? Or should it be reopened? Yeah. Should it? Or I guess the two questions. Do we think it will be and do we think it should be? I like mm-hmm. that, Yes. Both. Well, they need support from a um, high government official. Like, uh, But <laughs> is there any high government official in Missouri, like a congressman or a senator that can get, in, you know, well, just get involved and push for that? Maybe the president no. would do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Because, oh, because is let it, me hold my breath. Is it, a state, <laughs> is it a state case or is it a federal case now? Is it a, you know, I remember the last time I think, you know, under Obama was the P- Department of Justice looked into it and decided and, not to do, right not to act on it. And this was under Obama. So is this the same thing or is this a state situation? You know? I'll find out. Mm. Yeah. Um, but you know, this I'm kind of taking a thing. Um, maybe when when um, uh, during the playoffs, I did this piece about uh, you know Oakland, the the uh, the uh, Oakland. Uh, I mean the San Francisco. Uh, I mean the, what the fuck is the basketball team name? Golden State, Golden State Warriors. Warriors. <laughs> Moving to whatever. And I was talking to this, this well-known civil rights attorney, mm-hmm. and we were talking about that. And he was talking about they were uh, Warriors fan. Out of, but then we. Off the, not off the, we would start talking about, because one of the things the mayor of Oakland said, that, well, you know, the uh, Warriors are part of the community and all that. And I asked this guy, you know, I've been thinking about this, you know, because we talk about Kaepernick and all the guys raising the fist. I, and I, and he, we talked about this, but what is the real value, the real impact of these athletes? We talk about people speaking out and wearing T-shirts and all that. And uh, we both, he, we had to question the real, the real um, value of that, and he mm-hmm. said, you know, really, and he said, my experience, I mean, we've asked some people, including Kaepernick, mm-hmm. to actually come out to things, and they didn't. And he said, 
at a certain point is okay, but if you really want to ask me, do them speaking really does it really move the needle in terms of action? He said, I found it it really doesn't. And he said, a lot of times athletes are so self-absorbed and so into their own worlds. Mm -hmm. They may do a thing like they may protest momentarily or something, but in terms of really digging in the trenches. And so I was thinking, I want to explore it because I think sometimes we take it for granted. We talk about, well, Kenny Stills, okay, him, him coming out right, and saying things. But relative to your thing about Michael Brown, I mean, you know, when athletes, what we talk, we've in this conference, we've already talked about black, uh, you know, Hispanic baseball players mm-hmm. in the in the in, where we're at ground zero of a racist immigration climate. Nothing, radio silence. Um, Michael Brown, you know. Another, so I, I guess I, I I don't I just thought about this when you talked about that, and I've been thinking about it throughout the show. When we when we talk about these symbolic things, I mm-hmm. mean, of athletes, and we give them a lot of credit for speaking out. Right, but I mean, but are you are you saying that they that they're imp- they don't have much impact, but they could, or they or their well, voice could never could. have impact. They could, mm-hmm. I think, like all of them, they could mm-hmm. because they're but, high visibility. But I think I would almost rather say rather than doing the sort of the dramatic thing on silent, you know, quietly get together, you know, buy banks, mm-hmm. uh, right. quietly get a fund. Say, we, you know, we're going to put, we're going to we're going to determine that in the next 15 years, we're going to put X number, we're going to try X number of lawyers. We're going to, we're going to put X number of people through medical school. Right. We're going to put blah, 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 blah. We're going to... And $40 it, million dollar slaves is what you were talking about. But it's also... community. But also young athletes, right? We're talking about, you're talking about 20, 30-year-old guys who are athletes and women. Um, I mean, these ideas usually come from, from people with more experience and are older, you know, fifth, you know, peop, you know, the president of the United States is seventy years old, seventy something years old. Like the people making real decisions are older people. I mean, do they do do twenty year olds and thirty year olds really have that capacity to come up with, with grand plans like that? Well, well, Doctor King was twenty five. When I, mean, <laughs> I mean, talk about an exception. Yeah. Malcolm X died yeah, Malcolm at thirty eight. Thirty eight. How many? Right. How many Dr. of those King was are there? You know, yeah. like, I saw a, a television production about uh, Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and it was very surprised that the people who were on the cutting edge of their politics were twenty, mm-hmm. and there are probably reasons for it there. And you hear how they articulate, and by them, but those guys, it's 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 now or never. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just were, we're mm-hmm. at Facebook earlier today or Instagram. I mean, we have entrepreneurs that, that, twenty, thirty young, years old, like young people. Tech, so, uh, tech guys, and I think you know? t- too too often Jamal Murphy, as you said. I mean, do we challenge these young people enough? But he said, "Well, you're twenty, twenty-five. Well, hell, they're young enough to, you know, to make the NFL. They're young enough to. They're young prodigies, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, but it's not like we'll stay in that lane. Why don't you be a, a young prodigy? See that? I mean, this is probably another show." But I don't know if we challenge them enough, and and I think we give them credit too easily. Say, well, okay, you wore a T-shirt says, you know, fuck the T-shirt. Why don't you mobilize all this power there? I don't even need to know about it. Yeah, I don't need to know mm-hmm. about. It. All we need to know is that wow, over a period of ten years, you know, all of a sudden, uh, X number of people were educated at Howard and Meharry, or or X number we turned out X number of lawyers, or we turned out so many doctors, or or you know, the school. You know, uh, I, I mean, yeah, I just think it, I think it's also more than the athletes. I think you need sure. you need you need some people with, with more experience to help to help that happen. Well, also, maybe and, the knucklehead Aaron. And, and, we're talking about the, knowledge. The, the, the Rick Paul rule. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. maybe we need the guidance. Uh, well, 
I, was, I just want to have one last question about, you know, what we were talking concerning the NCAA. And we're talking about, you know, football and basketball being majority black sports. And they're, they're, they're the, the two sports that are um, taken advantage of the most. And then you have, like, baseball and hockey where, at least in college, white people play those sports or white kids play those sports and they don't have these same restrictions on them. And I'm wondering, is it just about the sport and the money? Mm. Well, you can make money in baseball too. So is it just about the sport, the, baseball the differences in sport? Or if, if, the, if, the, if college football and basketball were dominated by white athletes, would, would there be a difference and why? Would it be because uh, – the, the athletes themselves would be making more noise or feel more comfortable make more, more, make more noise or would they be would it be the the higher level protecting that you know those people or well I think I go to women's tennis and uh, when they're trying to form their the first uh, the WTA I think it was called something different then they tried to shut them down and those are white girls you know they tried to shut them down because they didn't want them to, to be empowered right mm. so I think it's about empowerment it's about con- control no matter who it is uh, and ex- right. as long as it's not white men mm. but I think there's this <laughs> right. group of people right. that want to control right. the, the control these things and you have to imagine we don't do that enough imagine that we're that imagine we're the gun the weapon industry mm-hmm. imagine that we're on the top of the pedestal are we going to give that away Nobody, right. nobody's going to give away power I mean, right. right in the history of civilization nobody gives power you got to you got to take it uh and it's kind of it's, you ask an interesting question. If the if if it if it was flipped, right? If the NBA was predominantly white, which it, you know may become that way, you know again. But with the powers shift, with with all these rules being placed. But you're you're right. I mean, nobody gives a damn about the hockey players because the the money is coming from two sports, two sources. Almost like we want to keep this stuff in place, you know, because this is where our money is coming from. Also, hockey is, is, is still a, a Canadian-European kind of a thing. Uh, you look at even the, the American teams are more Canadians and, and Europeans. It's not quite as, as American as the other sports. But your, your question, never get old. You, you, you forget things. Um, <coughs> lost it. He'll come back. Yeah, never get really old. Really compare the question. Well, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so Aaron. Um, yes. Yeah, we, I just want to hear from you. You got oh, anything yeah. to say I, before we leave? Yes. Oh, yeah, there's one more Two more things. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Oh, come on. Um, that you would... Well, no, the, the, the rule is, it's a good, it's a good question, good conversation. Um, but switching gears a little bit, I don't know if you guys saw Simone Biles this week. Oh. No? no. Yeah. Yep. So, so let me preface this by saying, last week, a congressional report came out basically saying that the, F, the FBI, USA Gymnastics, and the U.S. Olympic Committee failed to protect you, you know, gymnasts, right. as we know, Larry Nasser um, is accused of abusing over 500 uh, uh, gymnasts while he was at Michigan State. And uh, with USA Gymnastics, he's serving a life sentence. Um, and Simone Biles was one of the many who was abused. And um, so she was responding. She was she, there's the USA, the U.S. Gymnastics Championships is happening right now. And she's responding to the con- uh, to the report. And she just broke down. Mm, and yeah. she says she actually said it's hard for her to go to the doctor now because she now she's afraid she's like you know she has to get worked on but she doesn't trust that somebody's not going to do something to her right mm. and wow. she, she has no choice like you know you're a gymnast like you gotta and she she did the whole thing like you had one job and that was to protect us and you failed mm. and mm-hmm. yet we do everything you ask us to do yeah. um yes my question for you guys is, so the response to this, right? So USA Gymnastics, I mean, what can they do? I mean, they're 
they basically just said, we'll do better. That we're, we, we, you know, we failed and we have to do better. I'm paraphrasing. Um, and two senators, uh, one from Connecticut, one from Kansas, proposed legislation. Um, it is called the Empowering Olympic and Amateur Athletes Act, which mm-hmm. basically would give Congress more oversight over Olympic bo- like governing bodies like USA Gymnastics um, and the USOC. Is that helpful? Mm-hmm. Well, like, yeah, I, I always thought when you mentioned that, I don't know what the what you guys think. I always thought that in this country you needed a like a, uh, a czar mm-hmm. of sport. I mean, other countries have like a minister of sports or something like mm-hmm. that. Here's kind of ad hoc. You know, the NBA's over here, the NBA's over there, Olympic committee's over there, but there is no unifying thing. There's no there's no person or department that oversees sports in the United States. You know, there's no czar. It's kind of like the uh, the way capitalism works. You get you do your thing, you do your thing, you do your thing, you do your thing. Something blows up, so there's no unifying thing. So I, I mean, I don't know if that's what you're asking, but yeah, I mean, I've always thought that that I mean, I hate to talk about state control, but I do think there needs to be a there needs to be a, for lack of a better word, a minister of sports. Like there's a minister, there's like the FBI agents, or there's a, you know there should this is it's too big. It's too big. It's too. There's too much. There's billions of dollars now, for it to just kind of grow like weeds out in the, out in the yard. Mm-hmm. The whole thing of you know, sexual abuse. I work a, a lot with young people, and uh, and in the Catholic Church. So there's you know there's a lot of observation going on, and because of the work I do in teaching, there's one-on-one stuff with with kids who are 15. Uh, and always in open rooms with windows and people coming in and out. So I'm very aware of this this, this problematic this uh, problem of these contact. I think our society is changing in our views about that, and that's a big problem. Things that were normal, allowed, that we didn't talk about 20 years ago are, are just not in. And so we're having to re-educate the people who are coaches. We're having to re-educate our young people how they deal with sexuality with, with, with body contact and this closeness and I think that's what has to happen and that commentary we made a mistake we'll do better isn't that bad because we need to move forward you know, it's really hard to punish people for things that happened 40 years ago that when the Congress was famous for having AIDS that were basically there to, for sexual pleasures right. you know, right. um, and we, we've evolved now you know with the sexual molesting uh, um, sexual um, this is the English word, um, abuse. abuse, sexual abuse uh, that's been going on with bosses and 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 from women well, and look, from look men. Look at the uh, what's the case uh, with the uh, billionaire, uh, oh, Epstein. Epstein. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, that, that, again, that's about power, you know, power and privilege, mm-hmm. you know. And I, whenever you hear these things, like we said at the very beginning, is that you know, power is not going to concede anything mm-hmm. without a fight. And this is to a lot of people, this is a perks. And, and requisites of having power mm-hmm. is to be able to, you know, be able to fulfill your, satisfy your appetite for whatever the hell it is. And, well, you know. But the, the NASA thing is just, was, you know, I mean, that's, that was recent, first of all. Um, and it was just, I mean, it's the, it's the, you know, one of the worst things you can, you can think about, just pure, uh, you know, f- sexual abuse from a doctor you know, while some of, some of them are, in, you know, unconscious. And my thing is that it was it came out that people knew about it. I mean, it was yeah. there's no they question people knew. So so why are people keeping quiet in those situations? You're scared. You're scared of your job. Are you really going to lose your job yeah. if you expose that? 
Are you scared of it's the money? Is it the money there that keeps people quiet? I mean, I, it's the, I guess it's the same thing as um, Penn State. You don't want to rock right. the boat. You think right. that, you know, my life is going on, life is going on. Yeah, I know he's doing that. I just don't want to talk about it. And that's why I mean, this uh, what is acceptable in our society has changed, and we need to educate people about that change so one's not ashamed to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I would just add also, like, as a, as a former figure skater who, I mean, I think gymnastics and figure skating are similar. It's like being taught what's to expect from your doctor, like... Mm. I mean, I know some of these girls were unconscious, but like you trust uh-huh. that when you go to the doctor, that this you're going to be helped. Right. And so, mm. you know, I guess also I think there has to be a conversation about like what is it? What's assault? What, how do you talk? And it's, I think it's hard to uh, um, address someone who's older than you, an adult, because a lot of these girls are like 13 mm-hmm. and yes, like. Right. Why aren't their parents there with them? No, you know, a lot of time, a lot of people live. That's They're right. like training. That's right. In a ranch. Like the Corona gym and yeah. all that. Oh, you see that? Yeah. Yeah. I used to go. My parents would send me to stay with a family, right, for months, and I, you know, see that. Hope for the best. Yeah. Mm. Um, you can't always be. I mean, you can't have doctors all have. You have to have a third person there. I mean, that's not. That's not the way. I think you. We have to educate doctors and men that that's not the way. That we were doing it, and I think mm-hmm. that that's the problem. I just, just repeating myself, but for a long time, this was acceptable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, on a happier note, well, <laughs> I don't know if it's happier, but I do. Oh think no, when well, you gonna take his? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said there's so much going. On. No, I just wanted to give a Gosh. shout out to Tony Morrison, who yes. passed away this mm-hmm. week. Rest um, yeah. Amazing author. I will be. I will admit, didn't always understand some of the stuff she wrote. <laughs> but I think I I read it when I was really young, mm-hmm. and I was I went to a primarily white high school. I don't know if it was being I would I really wonder if I had been older and taught with more black people. You got to reread the stuff. Too. Yeah, right, right, yeah, that's right. what I'm thinking. If you haven't seen it yet, there's a documentary out about her. Oh, yeah. It's called Toni Morrison Pieces That I Am. It's yeah, I heard about amazing. That. That's right, that came out it's very good. Like this past year, yeah, within yeah. a year, right, right, right. So right. so grateful. It's uh, it's a little long, but very good. Right. So. Cool. And, um, All right. Did that uh, that wrap it up? That's it. All right. Well, hey, listen. And also the Brian yeah. Banks film too. Oh, the Brian Banks yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really see that right there. Yeah, I have to. You know, I saw it right there, and I had to mention that. Oh, Jamal's uh, screen yeah, right. right there. Yeah. Oh, by the way, who who is the, the top team for the the, the hundred uh, the best hundred football player uh, football team? <laughs> uh, who, who is that again? Uh, we'll deal with that next week. <laughs> and my Giants, nineteen eighty six Giants, twenty six. Come on. Come on now, that that that's too low. That, you have to admit that. that was, you know, yeah, that's yeah, they had low. a good defense. That, yeah. no, no, but but they moved the football. They yeah, moved Whitney the football. Houston. Is that Whitney Houston Super Bowl? Oh no, that was the second job. Yeah, that team was a little low. Yeah, that team was lower definitely. But yeah, who's the hundredth team? Oh, uh, the Akron. What? Oh. The Akron, uh, 1920. They went Akron, too far with this thing. Akron, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, it's the Akron um, Zags. Because I, I was going to say Zips. LeBron but was on that team. College team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, right, right. Probably. <laughs> yeah, Rich, Paul, Rich Paul was representing that. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> hey, everybody. This is a great conversation. Uh, Aaron, thank you very much for. Always a pleasure. Still about the Stallion. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Anytime. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and, uh, what I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you her work. Don't yeah. worry. Okay. All right. All right, Gerard. You know, welcome. Great to have you here again. Thanks for the invite again. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for being here. Yep. Thank you, sir. Yes. And uh, Jamal Debate. 
you know, uh, thanks everybody. Thank you, everybody. Just thank you. Thank Helgo for listening to all this for an hour. <laughs> right. right. And thank you, Bill. Okay. There would be no podcast without you. Well, there have been. Right? <laughs> all right, everybody. Listen, uh, look forward to seeing you guys next week. Continue to enjoy your summer. God bless, and we will see you shortly. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube